President Biden's State of the Union address, which was full of lies and hypocrisy. I'm going to break it down, give you some specific details about what he said in that State of the Union address and how he seems to be pivoting from the narrative that he ran on. And it seems like it's a different narrative than his handlers would want him to have. Why is that? We'll get into that. Then I'm going to get into the massive, massive mismanagement and just total lack of competency that this administration is showing. And it all stems from what's going on with oil and gas prices and how it's affecting middle America. And then I'm going to finish up the episode by talking about parenting. The, this topic, this discussion is going to stem from a very interesting source, the death of a porn star in 2017. And then I'm also going to compare that to something that the rapper The Game says in his most recent interview on the Drink Champs with Nori and DJ Effin. Let's get into it. Yo, this is Hanging with Apes, an Audio Apes podcast. Real talk, real topics, no limits. Audio Apes, music with no boundaries. What's up, everybody? This is K-Cartoon. You are officially Hanging with Apes, a weekly Tuesday podcast where we discuss trending topics and current news with a philosophical and comedic flair. And our take on it, two guys from the south side of Chicago. There's explicit language at times, so be advised. Going over to our website, that's hangingwithapes.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. And if you want to listen to some really good rap and hip hop, go to any major music streaming platform, type in Audio Apes, and our catalog pops up. It truly is the best. Like always, if you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, give us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. If you want to help us stay independent, go to our website. You can donate an amount of your choosing. And if you know somebody that would be interested in what we talk about, please, please, please share the episode with them. We're on all podcast platforms. Before we get into the great topics that I have lined up for you guys today, I must say, as I'm sure you already realize, I'm rolling solo today. Uh, my co-host, Rx Phonics, he's under the weather, so we wish him the best, speedy recovery, and the show has to go on. The show must go on. We have to do the show, so I'm rolling solo. Yeah, rain, sleet, or snow, that's the dedication that uh we have to the show so you're stuck with me just me so we're still gonna have fun we're still gonna have a great episode it is a little bit different and if me missing my co-host is not enough you'll probably notice that the quality of the show is a little bit different i try to get it as close as possible to what our normal quality is but the device that we record the show on is giving me the flux today. I don't know if it's uh, corrupted, but I keep getting error messages. And so, you know, there's a backup. There's always a backup, but the quality might be a little bit off. Not so off, not not too different, but just a little bit. But um, we're still going to have a great episode. And we're going to kick off the episode with something that took place 
last Tuesday, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it because obviously the show comes out on Tuesday and we recorded the show before Tuesday, so we didn't get the chance to talk about it, but I think it's still pretty relevant because it ties into what's going on in the political sphere. Uh, and it was President Biden's State of the Union address. Now, something to take note of, something to be aware of, is his approval rating going into his first State of the Union address. As many of you probably know, and if you don't, you could look it up, Jimmy Carter is known as one of the worst presidents that this country has ever had historically. And so at the time of Jimmy Carter's first State of the Union address, his approval rating was actually higher than Joe Biden's approval rating at the time of his first State of the Union address. That is massive. Obviously, the mainstream media is not going to talk about that. The mainstream media is not going to make note about that. The mainstream media doesn't want you to know about that. Joe Biden doesn't want you to know about that. The White House doesn't want you to know about that. Jen Psaki doesn't want you to know about that. Nobody wants you to know about that. But it's important that you do know about that because then you get to see and understand why these people do what they do in the political theater that they're running, the, the this big grand production that they're running, which is lies and hypocrisy. They, they backpedal. They say what they know you want to hear, even though they don't do anything to support what they're saying. And in fact, what they do is often quite the opposite of what they're saying. They still do it because they're messed up and their approval ratings are low. Going into the State of the Union address, one of the things that stood out to me that was just crazy was this idea of trying to swing this uh, America first narrative. It was a narrative that they never seemed to care about. In fact, when Donald Trump was president and he took the America first approach and and he wanted to stand taller than other nations and bring back a sense of patriotism and pride to the nation. These were the people that would call him a bully for it. These were the people that said that uh, it's the wrong example for the American leader to set this and that. So this is a narrative that they never really cared about. This is not a narrative that never really was part of their agenda, but they're starting to swing it because they need it. And that's something you need to remember going into the midterms and going into 2024 is that they'll say whatever they think you want to hear. So we have to compare results, actual results with what is being said. And we're going to get deep into that on the next segment when I talk about these gas prices, because there is a vast difference from the, in the gas prices from when Trump was in office compared to uh, now with Biden, which if you didn't know, we hit a historic landmark with record high gas prices today as I record this episode. So that's bad. That's bad on top of inflation, on top of everything else that's going on. Now, one of the lies that stood out the most in Biden's State of the Union address 
was when he said that in his first year in office, he created 6.5 million jobs. Most in history, according to him, the most in history. And if it were true, it would be the most in history. But the fact of the matter is, and that's why you have to pay attention to what these people say, and you have to listen to shows like this, quite frankly, to give you an analysis that the mainstream media won't give you. The fact of the matter is that, yes, 6.5 million jobs were worked, but these were jobs that were recovered from the virus. You know, people lost their jobs. Millions of people lost their jobs. And these are jobs that were recovered, people coming back to work. These are not jobs that were created. So that is totally disingenuous for a president to say. And what's even crazier is the wild applause that it received from Congress. Obviously, you're going to get that from from uh, Pelosi and Kamala Harris on stage, uh, sitting in back of President Biden. You know you're going to get that. But the wild applause that it received from Congress, it's like, come on. Like, at, at what point are we going to be real? At what point are we going to keep it real and challenge this? And that's something, again, to remember going into the midterms. You, the, the, the people who were clapping for that type of stuff that uh that represent you wherever you are, you know, you know the listeners wherever you guys are, if they're in your district, if if uh wh- whomever they are, if they're your representative, think about that and, you know, c- consider the fact that they're not fighting for you. You have to really consider that. Another thing that I thought was pretty interesting about the state of the union address was the loads of hypocrisy, not just from Biden, to be honest, from everybody, the all these people that were that have been pushing the mask, mask, mask mandates, wear a mask everywhere, and nobody's wearing a mask. So overnight, the science changed. Apparently, o- overnight, it's like you don't, you know, they'll they'll demonize you and, and to the point where. You have videos out there of people fighting security and getting thrown out of places because they're not wearing a mask and they push this narrative of a mask. And even here in Chicago, the mask mandate has dropped, you know, to go into stores and restaurants and whatnot. And you still have people wearing masks because they believe in it. This is what's been pumped in people's heads. This is what 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 they've become accustomed to and essentially brainwashed to believe and and this fear has been put into people i've heard i've overheard people having conversations about how they're just not ready to get rid of the mask it's like a blankie like oh my my safe blankie i'm just not ready to get rid of it and all the while while these people are believing this these people these these politicians they never cared about that They've, they always knew because this is not the first time we've seen this level of hypocrisy. We've seen it from the mayor of LA, Garcetti. We've seen it from, uh, uh, Pelosi. We've seen it from, uh, Gavin Newsom. We've seen it across the board. So this is not the first display of hypocrisy that shows you that it's never been a thing for them. They've never had that fear. They've always known better, but the narrative, oh, well, we're keeping you safe and we care and we care. And what people don't understand is that it's a compliance tool. This is a tactic that they use for one to establish a degree of superiority. And also it gets to show them 
It gives them a, a, a real life, real time analysis of how many people are compliant with whatever they push, regardless of if it's backed by any science or anything legitimate. And so these people that are, are supposedly believers in the mask overnight, they, you know, the the, uh, the CDC says, oh, well, yeah, you don't, you don't need the mask anymore. And oh, nobody, there are tons of people in, in this chamber where he's delivering the State of the Union address and none of them are wearing masks. That's pretty wild. Pretty wild. One thing that he said that was just crazy and it shows the complete lack of understanding when it comes to anything economic is this idea that where, where he says to fight inflation, business owners and employers should lower their the costs of their products, I guess, or their services. He just says, lower your costs, not your wages. I mean, I can't even begin to travel down the road of how stupid that is. Like these costs are in place because of how expensive things are. It's not so easy to just lower the costs. Like, oh, we'll lower the costs, not the wages. It's it's not that easy. And and again, it was met with roaring applause. And it's just crazy that that there's just such a lack of understanding when it comes to economics, how to run the nation. And a, another big lie that, that uh, well, Biden was never for defunding the police. At least he's he's never vocalized that. There were times during on the campaign trail where he kind of alluded to it or toyed with the idea, flirted with the idea, I should say, but he never was fully on board with that, even though a lot of people surrounding him were very much for that idea. But yet when he says, oh, we're not going to defund the police, we're going to fund the police because of how bad crime is, which we talk about that pretty often on the show and well, uh, we've given stories and examples and we've broken down how bad crime is around the nation. And he's polling very bad on his handling of that. So he needs something to sort of try and attempt to change the narrative. And all these people that were supposedly for defunding the police, and there's loads and loads of videos out there where they're compiled, you know, where it's showing everybody in, in the context of talking about defunding the police and how they're for it. All of a sudden at the State of the Union address, they're applauding him saying fund the police. So that's, again, to show you the lies and hypocrisy and how these people are willing to do and say anything to stay in power. And they know that things are bad. They know that things are bad. They know that something is coming. I don't know how big this red wave will be. To be honest, after the last presidential election... Who knows if there will even be a red wave? I mean, I think all of the numbers out there point to there will be. But hey, the last presidential election was shrouded in anomalies. So who's to say that these midterms won't have a bunch of anomalies and once in a lifetime occurrences that makes it where a red wave doesn't happen? Who knows? And then to... uh, End this particular segment and segue into the next segment. He doesn't talk anything about the things that 
he's mismanaged. He doesn't talk about Afghanistan. It was it was it was pretty awesome when one of the right wing congresswomen spoke out when he was talking about troops and she said 13, 13 troops in in reference to the 13 troops that were killed in Afghanistan after the horribly horribly botched exit if you can even call it that like i i you feel like an exit requires some sort of strategy to it but this exit it was awful it was it was awful and everybody knows that we covered that on the show before also and um he didn't speak about that he spoke very little about inflation it's like this administration is very arrogant and they don't seem to learn from their mistakes and that's also something that sort of stuck out to me about the state of the union address uh so now going into the next topic about gas something to remember in terms of what they think of the middle class they say they're for the middle class they say they're for the working man they say they're for the working people but everything that they do suggests otherwise and it's important and it's important that you realize that and it's important to make these comparisons because well i'm going to play you a clip and we're going to we're going to do a real life comparison right now according to gas buddy the former all-time record high for national average gas prices was broken with a price of $4.10 this is gas buddy reporting that so the all-time record high has been broken now i'm going to play you a clip from president trump saying that this might happen and then what follows President Trump saying this might happen is current news reports out of California talking about the situation and how bad it is. Here we go. You have more oil than anybody, okay? And it's uh, an incredible thing that have, it's happened over the last few years, a lot of great things, and you're paying, what, $2 a gallon for your gasoline? That's okay. You know what that's like? That's like a tax cut. That's bigger than a tax cut. If Biden got in, you'd be paying $7, $8, $9. Didn't they say, get rid of your car? Prices at some local gas stations, they're way above the average. Well, across the street from the Beverly Center, one of the most expensive places in L.A., drivers are paying this, nearly $7 for regular unleaded, nearly $8 for premium. Drivers said they were surprised and not in a good way. Gas prices climbing through the roof. The average here in L.A. County now reaching 5.37 a gallon this morning. That's about 50 cents more than it was just a week ago. Eyewitness News reporter Jade Hernandez live in Mid-City with the latest for us. Jade. Good morning, John. We all knew this could happen. Record high gas prices. And this morning we're live near um, Fairfax and Olympic. And gas is $6.99 per gallon for regular gas. That's right. That signage is correct. Gas is $7.19 and $7.29 for plus. And so that gives you an idea. And that's the comparison that I was talking about earlier. Uh, and it's funny because... Today, Peter Ducey uh, uh, at a White House uh, press briefing um, is talking to Jen Psaki, and he asks her about this and how the Biden administration now, because of the situation in Russia, they are considering, instead of us being energy independent here in the United States, they are considering dealing with dictator and authoritarian governments like Iran and Venezuela 
to try to attempt to lower our energy costs instead of just drilling and becoming energy independent. On top of the fact that we're still buying oil from Russia, this is totally outlandish. This is totally ridiculous. And this just gives you a clear cut example of how incompetent this administration is. There is really, there's really no way around it. There's, there's no other way to, to, to slice it. It is awful. In fact, it's so awful that the middle class is probably feeling like this. And, and the only way that I can phrase it, in fact, I can't phrase it. I, I, I'll have to let R. Kelly phrase it. that's that's a clip from an old r kelly interview but i remembered it and when i saw these gas prices and it's record high i I, that instantly came to mind because i i remember him saying that uh when he was when he was getting that interview and well obviously now he's convicted and in jail but let's run it one more time this is the sentiment of the middle class so i'm sure that's how people feel that's how their wallets feel and then if that doesn't make you feel bad enough, I'm going to play you a clip from Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary. And they keep pushing this narrative of, oh, you know, clean energy, electric vehicles and everything like that. Not realizing that there's a lot of people that can't afford that. Not only that, there's a lot of question marks when it comes to clean energy, like charging stations or people that live in apartment complexes. So it's like, oh, we'll buy a charging station. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that works if you have a house, but what about people that live in apartment complexes? Uh, what about going on a 300 mile trip? What about when you get to a charging station on like on the road and you have, you know, cars ahead of you, how long does it take to charge all of these things that make it where yes, maybe electric vehicles are the future, but we're not there yet and it's not so easy for somebody to cut the costs of gas or and just buy an electric vehicle because that's what he says that's there's one way to 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 cut uh energy costs and that's by buying an electric vehicle which i'm going to play the clip right now but there's a lot of people that can't afford electric vehicles there's a lot of people that don't need to buy an electric vehicle because they have a car that's working perfectly fine maybe it's paid off they don't want to get a new car note whatever the case. And him saying that is equivalent to like somebody saying, oh, well, homeless people, they should just, uh, you know, buy a house and then they won't be homeless anymore. Well, yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Let me play you the clip and uh, you can hear for yourself from our transportation secretary. Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. So, uh, yeah, how out of touch is Pete Buttigieg? And that is just a complete and utter display of being totally incompetent. And I hope you guys remember that come November for the midterms because it's going to matter. It's going to matter. And uh, the opportunity to make a difference is then. And then again in, in 2024, I mean, it's just, it's royally bad. 
it it's royally bad and and the idea that it could potentially get worse and like we've said before on the show everybody that voted for biden they seem very quiet i don't i don't hear for them i don't see them so i don't know and now we're gonna move on to the third segment and uh this will be the last segment of the episode an article from the daily beast came out today and it talks about the suicide of porn star August Ames in 2017. Now, why this article struck me is that it's her mother talking about how her daughter was cyberbullied into committing suicide. And I thought that it would be an interesting topic to discuss because, you know, we have we we have a lot of philosophical discussions on this show and Something that doesn't seem to be discussed very often in the public sphere is the idea of the soft parenting that's going on. In this article, the mother talks about how she supported her daughter. Like she she was her, her daughter's biggest fan, knowing that the daughter was entering the porn business. Now, to each his own, I'm not here to, to shame or demean anybody or anything like that. But at some point, a parent has to have the willingness to challenge their child when they're making lifestyle choices that aren't the best. And I don't know, but if I was a parent, I would imagine I would think that my daughter entering porn isn't the greatest lifestyle choice. But according to August Ames' mom, no, it's fine. Like you could, it, it, I, she was her biggest fan. Again, to each their own. But if you raise your kids with this mentality that, oh, well, I'm your friend. I'm your biggest fan. I'll support you no matter what you do. You could do no wrong, which we see a lot of these days. What you do is you develop that child into a person that whenever they're met with some resistance in life, they don't know how to handle it because you yourself never gave them any resistance. You yourself never challenged them in any way. So apparently what happens with August Ames is she feels bullied and attacked in her industry. Like she's voiceless. She can't stand up for her herself. So I guess she starts to take to Twitter to have an outlet. And one particular day when she's told that she has to do or or at least she's uh she's hired to do a scene with another porn star that apparently he does gay porn and straight porn she doesn't want to do that scene with this person unless he has an HIV test which totally understandable i could totally understand that this guy sleeps with men on camera and now he's you know they're they're scheduled to do a scene together Yes, for her safety, I would imagine she would want that because HIV spreads easier and more quickly through the gay community. So I think she's totally within her rights. She takes to Twitter and expresses all of those ideas. She doesn't vocalize it to the people behind the scenes. She takes to Twitter to to express those ideas. And she's attacked, or as her mom calls it, cyberbullied. Now, she's totally within her rights to want that, totally within her rights to request that. That's her safety. That's her health right there. But as these people start to tirade her, she starts to feel bad. And eventually it leads to her killing herself. So rather than her stand in her conviction that she's right and she wants to protect herself, she caves 
to all of the challenges and all of the things that these people are saying. And when I read this article, for as much as the mother wants to blame cyberbullying for the death of her daughter, I look at the situation philosophically and I couldn't help but think that the way the mother raised her had something to do with it. Now, I don't know a lot about how her mother raised her, but the idea that she was so super uber supportive of her entering that field says a lot. Now, we're going to take that situation. It was a tragic situation that, you know, what happened to August Ames. We're going to take that situation. And what I want to do is I want to compare it to something that the rapper The Game talks about in his recent interview on Drink Champs. And there's a part in the interview where the song Easy comes up. It's it's a, it's a game with Kanye West. We've actually talked about that song here on the show. And we actually criticized Kanye West for something that he said about Pete Davidson and how the, the, the way that Kanye West is acting with this whole Kim Kardashian divorce is sort of simpish. And we talked about that. But we are not stuck and we are not anchored to certain ideals. While in that regard, 100%, we think that Kanye is acting simpish. On another hand, there's a line in the same verse, and, and that's how real we keep it here on, on this podcast, where you we still you could still find value in the same verse. So yes, in one part of the verse, it's something we totally don't rock with. But in another part of the verse, there's something that has value and it speaks to this particular discussion and it's like a juxtaposition to what you're getting from August Ames mom. So I'm going to read the lyrics of that particular part in the song and it has to do with parenting and then I'm going to play a clip from the Drink Champs interview and Game is going to talk about it. And to be quite honest, I never really paid attention or, or or that particular line or these bars didn't really stand out to me until I heard Game speak about them. And, and that's kind of the interesting thing that you get from these interviews is you get a little bit more of an in-depth analysis for, you know, certain things in media and songs and, and everything like that. But uh, this is, this is the, these are the lines. When you give them everything, they only want more. Bougie and unruly, y'all need to do some chores. Rich ass kids, this ain't your mama house. Climb on your brother's shoulders, get that top ramen out. So obviously you could hear it's he's talking about his kids and, you know, obviously he doesn't want them to be bougie and unruly, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a level of aggression that a lot of parents nowadays wouldn't display with their children because, oh, you're supposed to be nice and you're supposed to be the good parent. And well, what the, what they think is good, but is not necessarily good. So this is uh, the clip from the Drink Champs interview. This nigga says, rich ass kids, this ain't your mama house. Yeah. <laughs> Climb on your brother's shoulders. Yeah. And get that top ramen out. Yeah. That's probably the harshest bars in the last 24 years. Yeah. How your, how your mama talk to you? Any any less aggressive than Never that? Never held back. Never looked at it like that. 
real parenting. Right. My father told me. My mom real parenting. Hey, you, hey, you spoil. Your father's not. You spoil your kids. You spoil your kids in the in their past, and they will spoil your future. Mm. You understand that? That's real. That's real shit. Why all the real niggas in the world is like us, bro? The niggas that grew up with, you know, with, with your mom with the water cut off sometimes. You had to go borrow some shit. Or you go go next door and get the, see if, if she got cornbread. Like, come on, man. You know where we come from. What, the- pretty profound. A pretty profound analysis from the game when it comes to the topic of parenting. And uh, I just thought that it would be a good philosophical road to travel down and make that comparison. Again, I'm not trying to demean or make light of what happened to August Ames. And I'm not even trying to say that the things that people said to her online didn't play a role in her demise. But the job of the parent is to train and prepare their kid for the world. And it was apparent that August Ames wasn't prepared for the world, especially the world that her mom was so excited for her to be a part of. And I think that this is something that could be helpful and useful to parents that find themselves too soft on their children. So you're getting the perspective of a mom who lost her daughter and her daughter was in a field that is uh, rough to say the least, and and uh, not very good for your health, your overall well-being, and her daughter killed herself, and then you're getting the perspective of a billionaire rapper in the midst of a divorce and is going to enter a co-parenting situation, and a guy who rocks with that rapper, another rapper who rocks with that rapper, and is giving you an analysis of parenting, and it's interesting, to say the least. That's our episode for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. The show continues to grow because you guys keep listening. So keep on listening. Remember, if you know somebody that likes the things that we talk about, please share the episode with them. We're on all podcast platforms. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, give us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. And if you want to help us stay independent, go to our website and donate an amount of your choosing. We will see you guys next week. We're out or I'm out because I was rolling solo today. I'm out. Peace.